What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast, the official podcast of MetalNexus.net, where you can get all your show reviews, concert reviews, and so much more. And with me this evening is Daniel Terry. How are you doing? I am live and in the flesh. How are you doing tonight, John? I am also live and, and partially fleshy. I'm I'm all fleshy. Uh, you know, I I feel like I'm more uh I'm more uh, it's not Patrick. What's his name? Uh, not Squidward. Uh, Doctor Zoidberg. I feel I'm more fleshy like Doctor Zoidberg. That's valid. Yeah, I figured maybe they get a pop out of you. Maybe not. Maybe not. I have no sense of humor, so you know you got to really hold my hand through a lot of this stuff. Fair enough. You know whose hand we don't have to hold through this is uh, our guest Neil, uh, the guitar player for Devil Driver. Some of you might know him uh, as the guitar player for Burn Halo, if you remember that band. I, I vaguely remember that band. Not gonna lie. Well, I mean, I think a lot of people were. If you were super big into 18 Visions, but then kind of fell off on their like last record, uh, for it being too like pop rock uh, or cock rock, I think really was the the term that a lot of people were using back then. It was kind of that resurgence of, like 80s hair metal uh, in your metal core. I mean, Atreyu was kind of going through it, and the you know Blackfield Brides and a few other bands were. But I definitely think uh, if you wanted more until the ink runs out you know, style 18 visions, you definitely were probably long gone at this point. So the idea of something just more rock, uh, from James Hart, uh, didn't really appease you. Yeah, probably not. (laughs) Speaking of, I actually just saw that, uh, James is recording, uh, what appears to be some new 18 visions. Really? I mean, last time he was posting videos of, of him, you know, recording stuff or recording gear in front of him, uh, it turned out to be the new 18 Visions record that we got uh, a couple years ago. So by all accounts, it uh, it sounds like it and kind of, you know, giving a little bit away of another guest we have coming up. Uh, I talked to Biggie, the, you know, co-owner of Good Fight Management, uh, who also has uh, 18 Visions on their roster. And I straight up the last question I asked was like, so what's going on with this 18 Visions record? When are we getting it? And he goes, oh, you know, the guys are doing stuff. So officially, unofficially, they're doing stuff. So we can at least hopefully look forward to maybe a new 18 Visions record, maybe by the end of this year. Who knows? I'd be pretty excited about that. I mean, not going to lie. I have been a massive 18 Visions fan since way back in the day, back whenever they were like really, really, really heavy. <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of a trope for me, I know. Uh, I will definitely say, uh, you know, something we talked about in a, a different episode is uh, me hanging out with Amigo the Devil and his lady Alicia, who I actually, in talking with her throughout that day, uh, you know, she kept mentioning tours she was on, you know, people she knows, uh, James Hart being one of them. And something she had kind of mentioned was just, you know, all these people from the that Orange County West Coast uh, hardcore scene. And I didn't really put too much together. And then at the very end of the evening, she's like, well, yeah, like, you know, I'm married to or I'm divorced from, but like, I still have his last name, but it's Mikey Way from My Chemical Romance. And I was like, get the fuck out of here. Seriously? (laughs) Yeah. And she was the bass player for from from first to last. So I was just like, holy shit. (laughs) That is that is mind blowing. I know, and I almost wanted to be like, after I found all this stuff out, because I almost wanted to have her on anyway, because I was like, oh, she tour manages, you know, she she travels with Amigo and, and does a lot of stuff, and it sounded like she has spent a lot of time in the industry, so I was just like, oh, dude, I'd love to have you on, and thinking in my head, like, I'd love to have you on, like, another woman that's been in the industry for a long time, like, why wouldn't I want to have you on, because, like, I, I like having women on the podcast to tell their side of the story, and I always love having behind-the-scenes people on, but then once I found out all this other shit, I was just like, oh, well, now it's just gonna sound like I'm I'm trying to like ask you to come on for these things, not for everything else that you've done in the industry. But maybe when they have some time, uh, I will uh, 
broached the subject with her at some point. But no, she's also super into wrestling and all that kind of stuff. But it was, it was definitely a mind fuck of a thing. And then I was like, oh, yeah, you know, the new 18 Visions. And she was like, wait, there's a new 18 Visions record? And I was like, yeah, it came out like two years ago. <laughs> Duh. She had no idea. And I, I just kind of realized, like, I guess that is kind of how it goes. Like, some people aren't up to, you know, a band was, you know, oh, I fell off on this record and, and don't even know that the band either broke up and or came back. But um, all of that aside, we're here to talk about Double Driver. And you guys just did a Double Driver episode. I don't think it's posted yet. Yeah, it hasn't come out yet. Well, maybe so, by the time uh, this comes out, we'll, we'll work together for once and actually do a, a co-release on the same day. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Uh, I think we release on the same day anyway, don't we? Usually on Sundays, so that yep. works out pretty well. Uh, yeah, but yeah, to to jump on that, we did a full discography discussion on Devil Driver, and uh, so I definitely was going through my week a lot more aggressively than normal, which was uh, which was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited. Uh, some of the content in this interview, uh, just being you know, learn it, learning more about the new record, the big double release that's coming out. Uh, it'll be interesting coming off of their covers record, which we actually talked about pretty in depth on the other show. And, uh, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Like with the concept that he, well, I don't know about fun. It's going to be dark and depressing and evil and, you know, very devilish or whatever. But, uh, <laughs> I, I definitely am, am a fan of there being a little bit more, what's the word? The bird. A little bit more, a little bit more depth to Devil Driver. It's not saying that they don't have depth, but to see them undertake a project like this is kind of interesting. Well, what I thought was kind of interesting about it too is, I mean, it's like, I mean, Devil Driver isn't a band that are slouches. Their output in the time frame that they have been a band, I mean, it's. I would almost say it's right up there with fucking Machine Head. Like, they put out a record or a double record at times, and they just crank them out, like, every year and a half, two years. But, I mean, in the last three years, we're going to have four, technically four Devil Driver records. One is a covers record, which the way they went about doing that covers record is it's basically, like Neil said, it was basically like writing a whole fucking new record. Yeah, it really was. Like, he, he kind of went into it thinking, like, oh, it's going to be, you know, this is going to be easy. Yeah. <laughs> Psych. <laughs> yeah, not 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 so much, guy. No. No. <laughs> but it was uh it was a thing. I was kind of at least glad I don't know how much of the of what the concept was about that he was supposed to tell us, but uh you know, the fact that he he did and and we kind of have more of a an idea of what it's about kind of has me really intrigued because uh I think it's like you said, I think it's going to be the one of the more darker lyrically uh, which I, I mean, I can't believe I'm saying that about a Devil Driver record that there's some some way to go darker than they have, but uh, I guess here we are. We're we're on the precipice of uh, this new, just brutal Devil Driver record that we're we're all anxious anxiously awaiting. Yeah, I'm really excited about it for sure because I think that they really take you know, spoilers. Uh, I think that they definitely took a huge step forward uh, with their with their most recent album. Trust no being, one. Trust no one. Being being much more brutal than uh, than what they'd been doing before. They had kind of gone melodic, and I don't like my devil Uber to be melodic. You know, your like what? Be, my devil Uber. It's my devil driver. Oh, uh, yeah, gotcha. You know, sorry. whenever your Uber that. shows up, yep. yeah, you're like, God, I just had the Uber driver from hell. Yeah, that oh. was that was devil driver. So uh, that that horrible horrible joke aside. <laughs> uh, I, I like Devil Driver to be heavy. I, I think Dez is like one of the most perfect aggressive vocalists out there, 
and uh, I, I just want to hear him be aggressive. Not not like he's ever busted into a whole bunch of clean courses and double driver or anything, but uh, it definitely um, I like the music to match his voice. Yeah. Um, there are a couple of comments I want to make on that, but let's save those for after the interview. So without further ado, uh, this is my conversation with Neil from Devil Driver, and we'll talk to you afterwards. So I had the pleasure of talking to Neil, guitarist of Devil Driver, and a slew of other bands from uh, a lot of my youth. Uh, <laughs> how are you doing? <laughs> how are you doing this uh, this early afternoon? Doing good, man. Just getting things rolling over here. Yeah, this. Uh, you guys just rolled through on the Static X Devil Driver Dope. Uh, I think there's one other band I'm totally for. Oh, Wednesday Thirteen and Raven Black. Uh, you guys just rolled through here in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, to a sold out show, which uh, I have to say, I haven't been in a room that sweaty in a long time. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that's. Uh, it's fortunately been the case for most of this tour, man. It's, um, we're seeing record temperatures on stage, Ugh. which means it's, it's pretty hot out there too for everybody else. But, uh, it, you know, it's good. Yeah, no, most assuredly, you know, something I kind of wanted to hit on, you know, your first record that you did with devil driver was trust no one. And I know from watching the, you know, the, the making of the record or whatever, some of the clips leading up to the re- release of the album that a lot of people were like, Oh, I don't really know how Neil's going to fit into this style and so forth. But I'll be goddamned if you haven't put out a shitload of content in a very short amount of time within the band between doing Trust No One, Outlaws covers record, and then now you have a, a double concept album getting ready to drop soon too. What uh, what the fuck's been going on? <laughs> <laughs> um, it, I mean, I I didn't intentionally plan on uh on on pushing the the band you know in that way. I think it just kind of happened once. Um, I've I've always been a writer and I've always wanted to do metal. Um, so of course I jumped at the opportunity, uh, to be in the band. Uh, and then it just kind of, we, we wrote that first record and it, it just gelled so well that I, I think it kind of start, it set a good precedence for the rest of the time. It's like, well, let's do, let's do this covers record while we have a little time. Well, that was super easy. Let's do the next record. Oh, let's make it a double record. Why not? We got the <laughs> material, you know, like it's, <laughs> I wasn't consciously like, Hey man, once as soon as I join, we're just going to make sure you have an album every six months or something. It wasn't that, but um, I'm, I'm just glad that they, they, uh, you know, welcomed me in so quickly with, uh, with writing. Now, you know, a lot of times we talk to people who have, have joined a band after, you know, not being an original member or anything like that. And it's always kind of interesting having someone find their place because sometimes, you know, there's the core of who writes the material for the band and that stays consistent. And then obviously you got to find your way, not only in a live setting, but in the studio as well. And so it's been kind of interesting to see that, you know, they've really welcomed you got you into the fold and into the songwriting pers- uh, perspective so quickly. And I think it's definitely taken, at least, you know, from what we have from Trust No One, really taken the band in a completely different, you know, stratosphere at this point of just firing on all cylinders. Oh, yeah. Thanks for saying that. Um, I, that's That was my intention all along, you know, like it. I think one of one of the things I did have going for me is that uh, the guy that I replaced, uh, the great guitar player Jeff Kendrick, uh, he, he didn't do a lot of of, of the writing, so um, it was kind of open to me, like, hey, if you want to, and um, you know, I'd been friends with Dez for years before I joined the band, and he already knew that I was a writer, so that was an asset I think he was looking forward to 
um, as as I joined. Um, and as far as the live thing, that was a little more daunting because, uh, as I said, Jeff's really good. He's got this great right hand, and and a lot of people. I mean, he was in the band for 12 years, I think, so a lot of people are used to seeing him over there, you know, at least initially. And uh, that just, I think, it took a lot of getting used to for both the fans and me because um, I, I play differently, I look different, you know, it's just a, it's a different band right now, you know, than, than it was. You know, kind of talking to this this concept record that's eventually coming out this year, um, I always kind of find it interesting because, you know, you know, we're getting ready to talk to uh, John from Baroness here pretty soon and, you know, kind oh, of being cool. immersed in kind of their concept with the chromatic-themed uh, records and so forth. You know, it kind of was making me look at, you know, what you're going to be doing on this concept record coming out did you guys write with the intention of like, Hey, let's try to let's, let's go for the big thing and try to do a concept. Or was it just happenstance that by the time you guys wrote a collection of songs and Des kind of started putting lyrics to it, that that's really where the theme started kind of being connected. Uh, definitely the latter. Yeah. Um, so we, the way our process is we write all the music and then Des will write, um, lyrics and, and melody, if any, but you know, it's patterns and things over it afterwards. And, uh, as as we were writing, we were just like we knew we knew that we wanted to kind of it's so cliche, but we wanted to push the envelope in which like we want some more dynamics, we want some more clean parts, we want some of the heavier parts, and it's got both, which could be polarizing. We'll see, but I I love it. Um, but yeah, as as he started writing, this theme started up appearing that he it's mainly I don't know how much he wants me to talk about it, which I guess is good for you because I'm just going to say something. He's later possibly but uh <laughs> the the main idea that was coming through was um like uh, kind of the taking away of liberties and and bondage of the human soul kind of uh things and not not political even we're not talking about that but we're talking about you know just in enslavement and history things like this that were and, and you know the wanting to break free of of said stuff uh and it just on nearly every song I mean, about 20 of them had something to do with that. It kept circling back for whatever reason for him. So uh, that's where it, he's like, well, let's just make it a concept. We already do a double record. Might as well throw another word on there that we can use to, as a BuzzFeed. You know? <laughs> that's it. When he started kind of putting the lyrics to this, did you guys as the band kind of start going back into it and kind of adding little things to really tie an out? Like, Because when I think of a concept album, I kind of think of it really being on vinyl and it being a really immersive experience. Like here's side A, here's side B, side C, side D, and everything kind of has its place. And, and there's even little nuances that kind of, according to how a band maybe even does the track listing, there's things that tie it even in together musically like that as well. Did you guys start doing that as well when you were, once the theme had kind of been set? Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, a little bit. I mean, there's definitely uh, in, in the, the classical sense of an album, or, or say even a, a classical piece, you have scenes that are reoccurring, and the, the sa same things happen in this. It might be in a different key, but we'll do the same little guitar line to uh, kind of enunciate the point that we're still we're still here. We're still talking about the same thing, even though the song is a different song or the different side, even you know the record. But yeah, that we definitely definitely explored you know the the possibility of themes, like not to just like we couldn't come up with ideas, but because we wanted to it all to tie together better. Awesome. Yeah. Having now been on the this other side of it where it's all done, it's completed, it's handed in, 
you know, a lot of bands, I think, have the ambition that maybe, or as musicians, you want to maybe, like, try to take a crack at doing a concept album until you kind of think about how much work really goes into it. Now being on this side of it, is it something that you would like to do again down the road, or is this kind of like a one-and-done kind of deal for you? Uh, probably one-and-done. I mean, <laughs> you, you definitely hit on something. It's it's just so much more work. It's fun work, but it's so much more work. It's You know, I'm used to you know, maybe three months max for doing a, a record from from like having the basic ideas to getting in the studio and being done with it. Typically, that's like three, three and a half months with everything that I've ever been involved with. And this one, um, we, we took our time because we, we went on a few tours here and there in between the process, but we, we spent at least a year recording. And then we, like as far as ironing everything out, Spent, you know, that's another four months just getting our ideas and sitting down with the very, you know, skeletal remnants of it and turning it into what it is. It is, it's, it, I didn't realize, fortunately at the time, I didn't realize how daunting a thing we had decided to do. <laughs> uh, but now looking back, yeah, I, I don't, I, I look forward to just doing the old 10, 12 track record, at least for a couple more after this one, you know. What is something about the process of either putting together a, you know, a covers record where you're kind of completely reimagining how they sound or doing basically a concept record. What's something from the process that either one that you learned from that kind of surprised you? Hmm. Um, I, I wouldn't say, I guess I, would, I learned a little more from the, the country covers record in that, uh, like I said, that the, the uh, concept double record is just, it's all original song so it's just kind of like a normal record just way bigger um the the country record though i mean we it, it sounds easy on paper because anybody can do a cover if you kind of know uh you know what you want to do just oh we just want it to be louder so we'll add distortion here but it's the the original ideas like if you go listen to drinking drinking don't kill me like the, if drinking don't kill me the original song it sounds nothing like ours so we had to make an entirely new song we kept some of the like the some of the lap steel themes that are in it. Besides that, uh, the vocals are the same. But besides that, we had to write a completely new Devil Driver song, and I didn't expect to do that at the time. I was just like, oh, we'll just the chorus, so we'll just make it louder, you know, whatever. We'll have <laughs> bigger drum fills. We'll add double bass. It's that simple, but it, it really wasn't. Yeah, I think it's it was funny because when I was talking to Dez uh, pre the the covers record coming out, you know, I was kind of like, oh. Was it? Did everyone like agree to do it because you all thought it was going to be very easy until you basically realized the way that you decided to do it was almost like writing a brand new record with the lyrics already done. So for Des, everything was easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, on on his side, uh, I think the 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 unimagined part that he had to deal with was more the logisticals of getting all the guests and everything because it's. Um, I mean, it's not like I'm not friends with anybody, but there's a mainly Des's friends that he got to come sing on the, the guest on the tracks, you know? Right. And then having to deal with, you know, how many songs are in there, 10, 11, I can't remember, but having to deal with all those people's schedules, I know it was thrown in through Kind of wanted to switch things up a bit. Um, sure. You know, you're on this the Static Rex run with Dope right now as well. And like I said, having gone to the show the other night, just couldn't help but be 
ensconced in nostalgia. Uh, 20 years of uh, felons yeah. and revolutionaries, 20 years of Wisconsin death trip. And you guys have been busting out some Cold Chamber songs as of late, too. And it just kind of makes yeah. me wonder, how has it been for you to kind of dip into maybe an era of music that, you know, maybe you weren't super versed in? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, uh, you, I think you kind of hit it right on the head right there. I, I wasn't really. I, um, I, I was, of course, aware of new metal and, and what it was doing at the time. Um, but I wasn't like the I wasn't like a huge Cold Chamber, Cold Chamber fan at the time. So I, whenever we were diving into these songs, we potentially play. It was kind of a new thing for me, um, and it's it's turned into kind of the. I'm not going to say it's like the most fun part of the set, but it's kind of the relaxed set. Like in Devil Driver, we spent so so much time trying to play fast, play hard, play heavy, whatever it is, and then the Cold Chamber songs are kind of these fun, bouncy. I see the nostalgia on people's faces. It's kind of like a. I mean, the relaxing part is also the wrong word. I wish I could think of the right word to say <laughs> for what it is. But, um, I was going to say, I'm sure it is, uh, as far as the technical capabilities that need to go into it, yeah. it's, it's a little bit more easier to kind of go into autopilot mode and, and just have fun with it. It is, yes, 100%. And then that's not to say anything about the, the musicianship of the culture we got. I mean, they have gold and I believe platinum records, so that speaks for themselves. Um but yeah, it, it's definitely like the uh, let's sit back for for at least you know this and start thinking about how we're going to get back in in the guitar playing mode for Clouds Over California next. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of that, actually, I've been noticing Desmond yeah. posting a bunch of uh, snippets of his one of his sons doing a lot of vocal covers, and it kind of makes me yeah. wonder. I feel like we're almost getting set up for another like Soulfly one record where Max obviously has his kids on, on that record and, and has had his kids on the various records and so forth. Is, are we, is that what we're kind of gearing up to is, is getting some, uh, some more Fafaras on, uh, some double driver music here. Uh, I would, I would love that. Um, I don't, I mean, it's, it hasn't happened yet. I don't, I don't think we're quite at that, that stage where, you know, and obviously we're not recording right now. So, um, it's, I would love for that to happen in the future. Um, Simon sounds great. I can, uh, he came out to uh, rehearsals for this just to kind of mess around with us. And he, and he sang with, uh, I think he did clouds with us at practice. Sounded great. We, that's all, we kind of left it at that, you know, it's just, we'll kind of see what's going on. We just got so focused on this tour and what we're doing now that it's, you know, maybe in the future, I guess is the best succinct way to put it. It's just been interesting to see it and seeing a lot of, I mean, it's the internet, so this is going to happen, but just seeing all the shit talking of people being like, that's fake. And it's like, sure. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's most definitely not. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really mind telling you, um, but he, he's, he's great. I mean, it's, it's also that youth man. He's, he's, he's young. He wants it bad. He, he sounds great. You know, kind of, you know, I wanted to hit on, obviously you guys are on what is basically a memorial tour uh, for Wayne for the Stat Static X camp. What, uh, you know, I'd imagine between, you know, Des obviously having ties in the Cold Chamber days to everyone that's on the tour, what have been kind of some of the, the stories maybe or the memories you've been getting to be around uh, hearing stories about, about uh, Wayne? Because I know like the Grand Rapids date, I know Wayne's parents and family were out at that date. They live about an hour or so away. And so I just, you yeah. know, I feel like there's a lot of... You know, you didn't, you weren't on these tours. You didn't know when, probably, but to be able to to be so ensconced in a legacy of Wayne and Static X and, and all that kind of stuff, I feel like you're probably getting inundated with a lot of great stories and memories. 
Um, I, I actually, I wish a little more. It's, I mean, it, you said it, I, I, w- I didn't know Wayne. Um, I wasn't touring at the time that Static X toured. So I think, um, most of those people are saving those stories, uh, for Tony and the rest of the dudes in Static X and of course Des. Um, but I'm getting to see it at least every night, you know, I go in and have a beer after our set and watch a couple songs. Um, and you know, there, uh, there's always crying, but there's, uh, it always seems like a happy cry, you know? Um, without commenting on it too much, I, I kind of wondered how this would all play out because if if you looked at it in the wrong way, you could see this as as a disservice, I guess, in some eyes. But it's it's completely not, and it's coming from a place of love. And I think everybody coming out to the shows, at least that I've seen, uh, are seeing that and feeling that and loving it. Yeah, I would say, admittedly, two of the bigger headlines you probably have heard about this tour before it even started, uh, they came from this show. Um, that aside, though, having been in the room, it was really interesting because like, I, I think something I, I wasn't really sure how it was going to go is I, I didn't... Having tried, having seen Static X uh, in the last iteration of the band and seeing how kind of piss poor the attendance was, it was kind of one of those things I was like, I guess people don't care. And, you know, especially when the material kind of leaned heavy, heavier on this on the Wisconsin Death Trip stuff. And so I really didn't expect it to do as well as it, it is doing. And I think it's a an assessment to the music that Static X put out. But the fact that people want yeah. to experience this experience live again. And I think uh, it's been it's really weird because, like, you know, being around some people who were like, I haven't seen most of this package like i haven't seen dez since the cold chamber days i haven't seen dope in 15 years i haven't seen static x since like 2007 you know you have a lot of people who who it almost felt like don't really go to shows anymore we're coming out to this and it it definitely had this era of or aura i should say of being something that you know everyone wanted to see for one band or another but that there's just this moment and it's like i haven't felt that in a room in a while, like where a show is important, if that makes any sense. Uh, sure. Yeah, it's, uh, it does. It, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm remembering a story now to actually go back on, uh, your question of, do you have any specific stories, but it kind of, what you just said, there was a, we were somewhere in Canada, um, on this tour and there was a guy out in the back and I was doing the whole thing where we just played and I was grabbing a beer and I was going to go walk in and watch a few songs. There's a guy with an obviously broken ankle out there and he's like oh man i can't i haven't been to a concert in so long i've done this you know he, exactly what he just said he's like i haven't, I haven't seen dope in forever um and then he looks straight at me and he goes i mean i see devil driver like twice a year so whatever but then <laughs> no, <I'm, laughs> he did, you know he didn't know who he didn't know who it was um and it, i mean it maybe is because we maybe we play that place in canada too much maybe that's what i mean but uh then he went on to say but he's like i'm I know I should probably go to the doctor, right? I'm like, you absolutely should go to the hospital right now. You can't walk. Yeah, you have like a, a volleyball in your in your ankle at this point. And he was like, there's no way. There's no way I'm missing, I'm missing that static set. No way. I'm like, all right, man. All right, you get it. And then he just, I saw him hobble back in, you know, and and that, and that I'm, I'm seeing a lot of that as well on this tour. I think it's been something, you know, kind of thinking about, my experience the other night at the show, but then also kind of thinking of a few double driver shows I've been to. I mean, you guys seemingly do this. I don't know if it's intentional, but it's like, like when you guys were on that run with 36 crazy fists, like about a year and a half ago, I think it was at this point. And it's just like, yeah. you know, 
having you know kyle and kyle is a friend and it's like i remember talking to him about the tour and he goes it's really weird like you know we just got off this kill switch tour at the time and, and you know now we're doing this double driver run but so many people are coming up to us and be like man i haven't seen you in like 15 years i didn't even know you were still a band and it's like shit <laughs> but it's it's funny that you guys seemingly kind of pick bands you know that kind of and honor their legacy of being around and being road dogs and being committed to being out and putting them in front of your fans, you know, like you're saying, maybe you hit a spot too many times, but you always bring unique package tours or whatever with you and always kind of honor the legacy of bands that have come, you know, grew up with you guys and so forth. And I always think it's kind of commendable, you know, that you're able to do that. Well, thanks. Yeah. I mean, that's, a, that's an important part. We, um, if you can't tell by the, by the schedule, we love being on the road. Um, <laughs> of course, of course it's a little bit of a sweet with family at home, but, but we love doing it and, couldn't imagine doing anything else and um we love taking out bands that we've toured with before even bands that devil drive toured with before i was even in the band um but it also comes to new bands that we just heard we hear about that are grinding and we look we seek out those bands be like hey well you guys want to jump on this with us you know um because it it not only does it help uh, a tour package to have everybody like-minded like yes we're here we're on the road we're we're doing this together. Um, that of course keeps, you know, any kind of fighting or anything else to a minimum, but it also, I think, I think people can see that in a package as they watch the show, man, these guys are here, you know, they're here to, maybe they're a party band. They're here to fucking party tonight. Maybe <laughs> they're just here to kick ass. Maybe they're just here to emote, whatever it is. But, uh, I think that the passion and the, the, uh, just the overall will and want to be on the road shines through if you have every band like-minded, you know, on the show. Absolutely. I think that was kind of the, the other theme that I noticed is that it seemed like everyone, you know, maybe doesn't have, you know, at least in the, the package tour sense, like you guys are putting out a covers record, have the new record coming up soon, but it's like dope. I don't think has put out anything out in a couple of years. Static X obviously hasn't put anything out. So it's kind of like you're really relying on people coming out and wanting to perform the songs that they probably have been playing for a long time and still not yeah. giving it, not going through the motions in it. Right. Right. Yep. Um, shifting gears a little bit again, just because, uh, like I said, I'm old and, uh, a band that I remembered you for and from, and I wanted to kind of talk on since we're speaking nostalgic, uh, okay. is burn halo. Yeah. You know, I've 18 visions is one of those bands, you know, I think, if you're around my age, you know, like mid thirties or so, you know, 18 visions was one of those like undeniable bands, got a lot of people into hardcore, especially that kind of orange County West coast hardcore. And sure. when James left and kind of started burn halo, you know, I, I know a lot of people were kind of not exactly sure what it was going to be. Um, but you know, I kind of wanted to, to just kind of pick your brain a minute and be like, what was the experience of starting burn halo? Like for you? Uh, it, it was really fun at the time. So at the time I was living in Tulsa, Oklahoma and I was a session guitar player at, uh, at a studio called Roswell Studio. And, um, the guy who ran that at the time, his name's Zach Malloy. He's a, now a huge songwriter out in Nashville. Um, uh, he, I want to say that James through, through the label, through, uh, whoever he was on, I think it was Def Jam Island, um, sent him out there just to, to write and record. It's like, look, we have this budget. What do you want to do with it? James wanted to do, um, you know, Heartland rock, red, red state rock, whatever you want to call it. You know, this normal heartbeat of America rock is what he wanted to do. You know, as 
you can kind of see that transition a, l- a little bit in, in uh, like the last 18 visions record, you know, like there's a lot of Def Leppard influence on there that I, I loved a lot of people hate it. Cause it's, it's not hardcore, you know, but <laughs> he, he wanted to take it, you know, not just another step. He wanted to run a mile with it and see where he could go. And so, yeah, so I was uh, working at the studio and we just kind of hit it off and ended, ended up writing like, hey, man, do you have any riffs? I was just there to do session. I was just there to be like, hey, tell me let's play a play kind of thing. Right. He was like, you, do you have any riffs? Like, sure. And then I ended up writing, you know, I think it's like a, a third of the songs on there. And uh, from there, and, you know, I, I didn't do a lot. I mean, we did a couple showcases on both both coasts. And I, I never even toured with, with them before I got offered into what I did next. Um, but... Yeah, it was it was awesome. It was the start of a, a great friendship. I'm actually as soon as I get home, I'm gonna go celebrate his his birthday with him. Oh, awesome! I know he uh, yeah. looks like they're recording the uh, presumably a follow up to uh, to the last record that they just put out. But I, I secretly almost yeah. wanted to be like, it'd be really cool if it was a Burn Halo record that no one was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can I can tell you here first that it is not another Burn Halo record. Would that be something that you would be into doing? You know, kind of obviously James does music very part time when the schedule permits and so forth. So I mean, would yeah, that be yeah. the case? Like, would you would that be something you would even be interested in doing? Is kind of getting back together, starting to write, or maybe even just since the the camaraderie is there and just the ease of being able to write with each other is there, just maybe start doing something completely different. That that would be I, of course I'd be interested in that. Um, but yeah, like I said, we it's he's one of my better friends in life and it all started from that, but it's, I would jump at the opportunity to do anything with him. Um, I don't think, I think Burn Halo actually went on without him. So I don't know that he, if he even legally could go out as Burn Halo anymore. Well, you go out as Halo Burns. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, or, I mean, I, if, if it were up to me, it would be something completely new and different, whatever we would come up with. But yeah. I would love to love to. Yeah, just it's something as a, as a, like I said, an older person that follows a lot of band people from like, oh, they were in this band, I like, and then oh, I guess they're doing this other thing. I'm gonna follow them into that. It was like I thought your name when you joined Double Driver. Everyone was like talking about all these other bands. I was like, I swear I recognize that name from something, and I just can't put my fucking finger on it. And then uh, a quick uh, <laughs> Google search as I was kind of preparing for some interviews to see what you had been asked already about this tour and so forth popped up the the Burn Halo thing. I was like, there it is. That was what it was from. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's it's kind of refreshing. No one ever asked me about my other, the other stuff I've done. But, but yeah, when I first st- started in Devil Driver, I wondered which things everybody would latch onto. You know, like in press wise, it's not like I'm some huge big deal. But at least when they're announcing a new member, I wondered what they were going to talk about. And there, there was it was like Burn Halo and Halo, and then I think Hell or High Water was the second one that they would announce as what interesting gonna- ones to pick. Well, I was going to say, I know in talking with uh, Brandon, uh, we posted it about two weeks ago, but we did the interview on Cinco de Mayo when the Atreyu dudes were in the same room you guys were in. And, you know, just talking about the how well everyone associated with Hell or High Water has done for themselves outside of that band. Like, (laughs) you know, the fact that Joey now is the guitar player for The Used and Brandon obviously still doing Atreyu. And, like, just it seems like anybody associated with that band just has gone on to to be have massive success massive success in a different aspect of the industry other than that band yeah yeah i mean i uh it's 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 kind of sad that it didn't we didn't get to spend more time with that original lineup i mean they, i think they're still kicking around it's just uh 
a couple new members, but yeah, we uh, we we're all pretty fortunate after that one. Well, I'm trying to remember because technically Black Cloud Collective was Brandon as a solo thing, and then as I believe, as you explained it, it was then the hired guns, which I think you were a part of, and then that's when he decided to to change the name and make it more of a an entity as a as a full yeah. band. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, it was. I think we did. Um, he did maybe two shows without me at the very beginning, uh, where actually Ken from 18 Visions was playing with him. Uh, to to loop all that together, but um, he, yeah, and then I I got I got on board and we did a tour as Black Cloud Collective, and then I think I think only one, and then we switched the name. It's always funny, like to see. Because to me, like knowing that you're more in in that realm of stuff, I guess this will kind of be one of my last questions for you. Is that something that you try to bring to Double Driver, like more of the I would say pop rock sensibilities to more of a a, a more straight ahead aggressive metal sound? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> no, I mean, if if I'm asked, which I have been asked to do that in this band, like a, on a song or two here, maybe it's more um, not necessarily like a lighter. Uh, like a, a less dark tone or something, but more like um, uh, how would you arrange this part if we were going to think in a more radio-minded way? That's probably w- the way that it works. But, I mean, like like I said before, I, I've always wanted to do metal. I've always looked for this gig, you know? And that's, since I had, I've never been able to be in a metal band, the last thing I wanted to do is join a metal band and be like, hey, why don't we uh, soften it up? You know, that's, <laughs> that wasn't the idea from the beginning, you know? Right. I just didn't know if that was something that, uh, like, Des and them try to take advantage of is the fact that you're able to do that probably a little easier than most. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, in arrangements, yes, but uh, not not so much anything else. I mean, he has asked me for little vocal ideas here and there, um, and then but he mainly just does it himself, you know. Absolutely. Well, uh, last question for you. Well, I guess it's a two parter, but okay. last question: uh, Where can what does the rest of 2019 hold for you, and where can people find you and or the band online? Oh, nice. Um, the rest of 2019 is shaping up to just tour, tour, tour. We've got. Uh, do this till the end of the month, and then we have a couple of days home. Then we go to Australia for the rest of August. Then uh, I think mid-September we're back in Europe for a little bit, and then we ended off with the second leg of this tour. Which I, don't, I don't know that that's officially announced, but there you go. We're with the second leg of this tour is uh, I think it's November, early December kind of dates. They're out there. Um, and then that'll be it for the year. But yeah, the best way to find us is just the Facebook, Devil Driver Facebook or DevilDriver.com. Specifically me, you can go to NFTmusic.com. And uh, that's it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for taking the time. And uh, hopefully maybe we'll see you around at another show. I hope so. Thank you. So that was my conversation with Neil of Devil Driver. Uh, covered a lot of different stuff there. Um, you know, first and foremost, this interview was supposed to happen at the show. Uh, the Static X, Devil Driver, Dope, uh What's the other band? Raven Black. Sorry. I, and Wednesday 13. I forget those two were on the show because I was uh, busy doing an interview with uh, AC Slade. Um, I kind of like the fact that it's like, yeah, you know, the, the hard part about having somebody on at this this point in a 
touring cycle is you're supporting something that's a year old at this point and you're not really supporting it in the traditional sense of like hey we're playing songs off of this because unfortunately a lot of it had had other guests on the on those songs they're obviously not there so that doesn't really do anything so you're not supporting that record trust no one has been out for three years you're definitely not supporting that and the new record isn't if a single hasn't even been dropped so you're you're not even able to talk about that in any way shape or form because there's no no release date no album title no track listings no sun, no single no nothing so it's like this is kind of one of those things where it's kind of the sweet spot i think to get people cuz then you could just have weird conversations about random shit like i mean the fact that i was like are is des grooming us for a new soulfly kind of thing like where we're bringing in the the young young blood into the band it's entirely possible. I mean, I've got it on good authority that he just makes really good barbecue. Who's that? Dez. Uh, I, I'm stumped there. I have no idea. I don't. I don't know how to respond to that. Well, according according to Devil Driver's Wikipedia page, okay, the way oh, the way the way Dez right. recruited musicians for Devil Driver originally was basically by having barbecues and inviting people over, and it's one of those like, hey. Do you like those pork steaks? Yeah, good. I got a, I got a good, uh, I got a good recipe from Burton C. Bell from Fear Factory, and he makes amazing pork steaks. Also, by the way, you want to join Devil Driver? Yeah, <laughs> it's probably one of those like, hey, I got a whole, I got a whole band set up in my basement. You guys want to just, you know, come over? Just, just want to see if you guys have what it takes. Well, I think it's interesting in this day and age, you know, like Tommy Lee's one of Tommy Lee's kids now, and Pam Anderson's, I guess, technically, um, <laughs> is on The Hills the reboot, um, which my wife watches that terrible show. Quality television. Oh, my God. The best. And uh, it's one of those things where, you know, a lot of times you see famous musicians kids not really follow in their their parents footsteps and you know with with social media being the way it is i don't think we've really seen anyone do like des where he's putting it on like his socials like his son covering his own songs and being like yeah. this is no studio trickery this is just straight up how he how he is and so forth and i wasn't exactly sure what the the point of it was i mean des obviously owns a very successful uh band music management company and oracle management I mean, who actually is managing Static X and a handful of other bands that are on this tour. Um, but it is one of those things where it makes me wonder, like, okay, in the day and age where basically any Cavalera band is consisting of at least no less than 10 Cavaleras, um, right. that it makes me wonder if, like, that's what we're being groomed for is, like, in the day and age where Corey Taylor just made a headline going, like, there could Slipknot could go on without me. And you see bands like Kiss going on, and, and their whole thing has been like, oh, we would like to make Kiss a brand where it's like there are a couple of different Kiss tribute acts that we have licensed to be us. Um, so the music will always live on forever that it's like, is this a weird thing that maybe we're kind that Des is like trying to get ahead of where it's like, maybe there gets to a point where like he doesn't do double driver, but Hey, you know what? My son's going to do it. Yeah. And it's entirely possible. Although back on the Max Cavalera thing, he's breeding an army. We really need to watch out for that. And they're in Arizona. So they're, they're, they're near the, uh, what area 51 over there. Right. So, you know, a hundred thousand people. <laughs> yes, everything is. I'm sorry. I just have nothing. I have nothing brilliant to say about that at all. I'm just like, wow. <laughs> but no, and it was kind of cool for Neil to kind of be like, eh, actually, you know, he came to the practice spot and ran over uh, clouds over California, and you know, everything's real. Like everything you see is exactly how you see it, and it's not fake. It's not whatever. Um, 
so I mean, I would be kind of interested to see a, a father son kind of moment, or, or just have the dude uh, come straight up and do "Clouds Over California" and a couple other songs, and, and just go. It was weird because I think I touched on this a couple episodes ago, and I said I would. The show as a whole, the Static X dope double driver show, was really weird, um, and not for the reasons that I, I had had premonitions of and, and some of the talks we've had with like Sal from a pale horse named Defford typo negative and uh, Frankie from Amir from all those months ago. Um, but it was just weird. Cause it's full of people who I don't think have gone to shows in like, since any outside of devil's driver, since any of these bands have been relevant, if that makes sense. I agree. And I, I get a similar vibe. I have, I haven't been to that show yet, but I I've definitely gone and seen tours similar to this. And uh, if you don't mind me sharing, oh, my God, another Dan Terry band story, uh, you know, from back in the day. So I remember back in St. Louis, there was this uh, place on the Del Mar Loop called the Red Sea. And they we used to play there all the time. And uh, we ended up on a show with like kind of a bigger local band from uh, St. Louis called Shatter Mask. And uh, they were like hard to describe, kind of like a mud vein, you know type of band or whatever and like we were uh i remember us showing up to load gear in and the place was already starting to fill up and uh which means we showed up late you know uh but we we were you know we we were basically the opening band for the show and you know we get up there in our like tight jeans and and belt buckle you know our, our norma jean belt buckles and under oath shirts and stuff and uh we're up there playing and you know like our keyboard driven hardcore whatever you want to call it and I'm looking out at the audience members, and it's like it's like walking into a hot topic in like 1999. You know, like it was really it was really strange. Even this is like 2006, because I remember being like, "Oh my god, did we just like travel back in time?" But you could tell that we hadn't really traveled back in time because the people there were like in their late 30s, like 40s, and you like Jinko jeans everywhere, wallet chains everywhere everybody's got like you know they bought those like cheap hair dyes you know like the spray can hair dyes and so everybody's got like translucent blue hair and and pink hair and stuff and like all the band members in shatter mask are like definitely got beer bellies and they're like starting to go bald and stuff and uh i remember i remember just looking over my guitarist and being like we better get out of here because they they did not like us at all like it was uh it, it it was definitely because I was like, oh man, we're really gonna play to a pretty packed show, a packed crowd here, and they're just looking at us like, you know, the people were yelling like, you know, get the emo off the stage, and you know all this stuff, and it was like so crazy, and I and I would imagine that this is exactly what you're feeling at these Static X uh, Devil Driver shows. Not so much the Devil Driver fans, but the the, the Static X crowd has got to definitely have come out of their nine to five woodwork. And uh, and added quite a bit, you know, like 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 really padded the crowd out in a way that you probably weren't expecting. And I don't know, they just it just really reminds me of that because that's something that people have been saying for a while uh, that it's been like that. And uh, it just blows my mind that even like ten years ago, ten twelve years ago, I definitely was still getting the same vibes. And like there, these are probably the same people, only like age now, like seven to eight years. And it's so funny how I'm going to look at like a Hope's Fall show in 20, you know, like 2020. <laughs> <laughs> I think part of it was just like, excuse me, I'm not saying I agree with the new like demographic of people who are going to shows now where like 
the young kids who are like, oh, don't touch me, don't be like within a ten foot radius of me, like I need my personal bubble, all this kind of shit. I'm totally fine with being around people. I think my problem is, is like that era of going to shows was like people just didn't give a fuck about anyone near them. It was just about being, you know, bodies on bodies on bodies. And sometimes I don't mind that, but I do like that a lot of times now when I go to shows, like when I go like a case, like I went in that same room and saw City in Color and I know it's a completely different demographic. So I understand that. But the point is I have been in that room for plenty of sold out shows and City in Color had just as many people, but like you could make your way around pretty close to the, the stage actually and it it wasn't sweaty it wasn't gross feeling but like there was something about that show and i don't know if it's just the sheer body mass of the the individual people that was much bigger than most of the shows i go to but you know i mean most of these people now are the youngest would be our age and the oldest would probably be put another 10 15 years on us so you're looking at people who are like almost 60 at this point going to these shows and you know, what's funny is on paper, like, or not even on paper, like, when I was at the show, you know, here comes, might just be Dope's front man, I don't know, uh, Edsel Dope looking actually pretty lean and cut, um, I I've will say. I've heard vehemently that it's not him. Yeah, you know, uh, you know what, Maybe I'm that's gonna... what people that were, maybe that's what, you know, he wants everyone to think. I will say this, to... Two to three things on that. I ended up having drinks, as I said earlier, at the bar because my interview. This interview was supposed to happen the day of, and then it got canceled. Uh, I happened to be having drinks with someone who apparently was on the tour. I made mention of the fact that I was there for an interview with AC earlier, like a little bit later, and he was like, "Oh, I've been on the tour. AC's really great." Blah 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 blah. And I go, "Yeah, I was hoping to get an interview with Edsel, um, but I was like, you know, I assume he's super busy." you know, getting ready for two sets and they're allegedly getting ready for two sets and all this kind of other stuff. And the guy just simply put his finger on the tip of his nose. So I kind of took that to be that I'm not wrong. I'm not right. He's just going to say, you know, take that how you will. Um, the other thing is, is oddly enough, he comes out, his hair is wet uh, and it's, it's longer than I've seen it in a long time. And so I kind of kept looking at the hair length and going like, you know, this might be because my friend used to put up his hair every single day uh, and had tall, very tall hair, uh, a la Wayne. And I know what kind of products he had to put in there to do that day in and day out. And so I kind of was looking at it and I go, I bet, A, you just got done taking a shower because you got to the venue a couple hours ago. It's the first shower you've had maybe uh, that you're able to get to, wash all that shit out from the night before and uh get ready for this one but i couldn't help but notice that the hair length seemed pretty dead on for how tall zero's hair is and the other thing that i don't think a lot of people know about etzel is that he actually is a pretty proficient guitar player writes a lot of dopes stuff and so there's that because a lot of people are like well etzel doesn't play guitar well actually he does well uh, well okay let me ask you this how did you how did you feel about the about the death mask is how I've heard it described from people full, that have been on the tour. Full transparency, I did not stay for any of the Static X set. Really? It was, was the, It was just so... No curiosity? Uh, it was just too hot. 
I mean, I'm like, and the thing is, is like, you know, I made the joke, uh, I made a post on Facebook and you made a, a reference to it uh, a couple episodes ago about how I made the comment like, oh, the intersection can't afford to have their AC. Um, part of that joke that I made that they would blame it on the band people or somebody else on the tour is anytime I've seen bands there that sound less than, you know, top notch, there is a person who I don't like that works at that venue. They shall rename nameless. But they will go out of their way when people are like, oh, this band sucks. And people are like, yeah, that was actually the worst I've ever heard X band. And he'll be like, well, they had a touring sound person. It was them. And it's like, well, it still was all of your shit that they sounded like shit through. So like, and A, it's pretty shitty that a venue person is going to come through and be like, it was the person, not the venue. And it's like, dude, It sounds just... really suspicious. Like, nobody said it was the venue. But yeah, now you're like offering yeah. that information. This person has done that a handful of times. And it's just, it's always shitty. Um, but one day, like, people were bitching about lack of AC. And someone was like, oh, it was it was this, it was that, it was whatever. Um but I mean, this show does this venue does a lot of EDM shows that sell out that that fucking main room, eighteen hundred cat plus, consistently. So it's like I know that they're not hurting for money to to make renovations that they have been doing all over the venue over the last like two years. But the thing that it comes to me is that it's like I just don't understand why you wouldn't even like that. Uh, like a really great example. So remember that show we did with uh with Chris Garza of Suicide Silence, and you could hear all of Attila's set. Well, it's because it was so fucking hot, they opened every door on the side of the building, like all the shutter doors that are for, like, loaded and so forth. They opened all of those to, like, bring in cool air when the AC was broke. So it's like, I have an example of a show where the AC wasn't working, and you did that to rectify how hot it was getting, yet here we are in the middle of summer, and it's, like, stupidly hot, like, over, like almost 100 degrees, and you keep all the doors shut, you have no AC, there's literally sweat coming off of the walls. Like, it's unbearable. It was like, you walk in the door and it's a, it's a solid, like, 15 to 20 degrees hotter. And then it's like, if you get any closer to the stage than the soundboard, which, I mean, almost any venue, you're looking at another 30, 35 feet, uh, usually or so, that it, it turns into one of those things. It's like, it's just unbearable. And then for whatever reason, metal seemingly has, like, the tallest motherfuckers in the whole genre of any music. So it's like, I'm 5'7", so, like, <laughs> everyone's taller in front of me, and I can't see shit, and it's hot, and it's gross, and people are, like, rubbing their gross, sweaty bodies on me, and it's like, you know what, I'm just done. Um, I, I, I just, I, this was what it was. I didn't, I mean, and that's it's the other shitty thing. Um, is that like, I didn't pay for a ticket. So I was like, whatever. I hung out with friends, um, most of the day and you know, every, we all were in agreement that it was just, like, it's just too hot to, to be in here for this. And it's about to get way hotter. Cause like static X uses a shitload of lights and, and those led walls and so forth. And uh, we had a friend stay and she was like, it was pretty brutal <laughs> yeah. just, just from the heat alone. Um, so I, I mean, maybe if you have the opportunity to see it in a nice air conditioned venue or something, uh, but I mean, that's totally the me. I'm old. Get off my lawn. Um, I like to be a little bit more comfortable for my shows. I, I don't really participate in pits anymore. Um, I just, I'm out of shape <laughs> for pit, pit shape anyway. Uh, I also realize that, you know, sometimes like that one dude who's trying to be super aggro and pushes me when I'm not really even in the pit and it makes me like kind of snap my neck forward and all that shit. It's like, you know, I don't really want to like get hurt because someone's a dickhead. Yeah, I understand that. I just didn't know if it was out of some sort of, uh, you know, because, I mean, you, you, you've been very vocal uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> since since this whole thing was, was announced. And I thought it was really interesting because I was listening to um, one of the later latest Roach Coach episodes. And uh, Lauren and Jenny had gone to, uh, see the, to see the show and 
um their their collective response was you know they they got a couple of songs in and for some reason they're just like i don't know it just didn't feel it's just it, it feels wrong like it just you know they, they felt that the death mask was you know a little disrespectful i'm not putting words in your mouth their mouth so you can go listen to the episode but i think uh, the thing about i think the biggest to me disrespectful thing about about it to me and i i think maybe this is just my hang up and, and my cross to bear with it is obviously when you do a tour you make merch for the tour you're on and obviously with this being 20 years of wisconsin death trip a lot of the stuff was based on that first record and the merch kind of coming back from that first record and so forth. But they also had a lot of merch recreating kind of the look of Wisconsin death trip, but with zero, like the promo photos with zero in it. And I'm like, yeah, that, that pissed me off where I'm like, like if this is about memorializing Wayne and a tribute to Wayne, shouldn't everything just be the old static X promo photos from Wisconsin death trip? personally it really yeah i mean that that's how i feel about it because i think really i think there are diehard static x fans that just want to see the band live and i I totally understand that but like you know holograms are a thing but uh you know it's one of those like even a holo but even even like a hologram type thing would be more respectful to wayne and that it would still be like wayne singing the songs but i guess the thing that bugs me about it is that like well, the fact that they even use Wayne's backing tracks kind of yeah. bothers me a little bit, too. Like, at that point, it's like, do we really need to go with this whole dead mass thing? Like, can it just be somebody? Fuck it. Like, just, I mean, in the day and age, like you're saying, where there's holograms, fucking Metalocalypse has done interesting ways. The fucking gorillas have done stuff. Like, there are a couple of different ways. Like, you could have a body on stage playing guitar but put like a, a like a kabuki screen in front of him or something and have like footage of Wayne playing these songs that you probably have amassed over the last couple of year or decades and do something like that and at least be like yeah we have someone on stage playing um and i'm sure there's plenty of i mean fuck it if you're going to use Wayne's backing tracks as it is then just fucking throw his like recorded vocals and just have the a band on stage the band playing the songs with the pre-recorded track like at that point i don't even think i would mind that but like the fact that you have someone in the videos I've seen of this person mimicking some of Wayne's like movements when playing guitar and shit, it just it just weirds me out. I, I'm just not a fan of it. It just feels wrong to me. Yeah, and that that's the thing. And I think the Death Mask again, I think I think right now there are diehard Static X fans that are like, I want to see the band live. I want to hear these songs. I think it's cool that they have somebody up there singing in Wayne's place. But I think like the people that showed up at the show and bought all the merch that had had zero on it and and all that, I, I, I wonder how they're gonna feel about that like in a few years. Whenever they look back on it and they're like, you know, like I feel like I feel like collectively p- people are going to be like, you know, that really wasn't that cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, kind of bringing it back to, to the guest of this episode, though. Uh, it was kind of cool talking with Neil. I was kind of hoping he would have a little bit more stories of uh, this tour and having people kind of, you know, talk more stories about when. But like I said, the show that you know this tour is relatively young still and the fact that uh the show that came through here Wayne's parents were at um um but it is just it I don't know this this show is kind of interesting and you know I'm not obviously 
the ticket sales are there. They just announced the second leg, as you heard Neil say in this interview. Uh, it wasn't announced yet when we talked, but uh, as of when we're recording this now, the dates just officially got announced for the second leg of this tour, hitting a lot of B and C markets. Um, I think they're hitting Australia or Europe. I know they're hitting overseas. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised with the way that this this tour is selling if you're not looking at at least another leg or two of this. Um, they're probably going to stretch us out. And then, you know, let's not forget they're doing that, uh, that, that other record, uh, with the last parts of Wayne's recorded vocals. That's yeah. probably coming around. So then I assume we're going to get this, we're going to get another tour with that, with the same band. Milk it, milk it, milk it. Well, I mean, at that point it's like, okay, so like, do you then announce who your singer is and, and, and it is what it is? Or is zero just going to be this, this long standing thing that keeps, you know, Static X going, where you have this weird Wayne-looking thing. I don't know, and it's it's one of those, like, if they do finish the album, they do a tour, and they do all that crap, like, are they going to record a new album with Zero? Because at that point, it's like, the mask's got to come off at that point. Well, I was even thinking, too... I mean, I guess not. The masks never came off a of Slipknot, but, you know, they, they kind of did. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, you know, kind of in, in wrapping up on this whole Static X thing, you know, if they end up... I just think it's weird. You know, they started to go fund me or, or whatever, pledge music or whatever the fuck it was for this record that was going to have all these guests. And then basically they apparently found more backing tracks or something or more tracks than they thought they were going to. So now it's just going to be, I think there's only two people that are going to be on this or maybe one guest that's going to be on this record. So then it makes me wonder like, Okay, so you put out this record. It's got Wayne on it. You, I, I assume we're going to do another tour because this one's been so fucking successful. Do people... Do people even want another record after this 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 next one? And, and or are fans going to feel slighted for not getting the record that they were propositioned with initially? I don't know, man. I, I think... Obviously, like my there's my personal opinion that like I don't want that, but I guess on the same token, I'm wrong about everything. So like you know, I said that Desley dying was never going to come back. So you know, there's that, and uh, so yeah, I, I would say that I don't really want that. I don't know what the average Static X fan wants. Like it, th- this whole thing with zero in the tour or whatever. Like, I guess, from a certain perspective, it's cool that it exists, but because it's, like, the best you're going to get. But at the same time, like, I I don't know. I Sometimes things just aren't possible. You know, like, have you ever, like, if you look at, like, Willy Wonka and the Childhood Factory, where the little girl's all like, Daddy, I want a golden goose. And uh, the dad goes, how much for the golden goose, Wonka? And he's like, and the Wonka just goes... It's not for sale. She can't have it. Uh, I kind of feel like that's that's the weird thing about our culture and society right now is that, like, everybody wants the golden goose. Like, everybody wants this unattainable thing. You can't have a Static X tour without Wayne Static, and that's just the way it is, and it sucks, and it just is what it is. You know? Uh, and so I, I feel like this, at very best, is just going to be a pale kind of reflection of what Static X was. And I, you know, like I say, well, I'll drop it after this. We won't go. We won't go on and on and on and on for episode after episode about it. But so it, it just we, it's it safe just to seems... say that Static X has become the new Asley dying. 
for us. I hope not. I, I hope it's not that way. I don't know. I guess I'll, I guess I'll ask him in my next five interviews. Like, well, so what do you think about this Static X thing? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Um, hey, sorry. if it comes up, it comes up. Yeah. So apologies for that long, long tangent. I know, like I said, we teased a little bit of my uh, going to the show and my experience of going to the show. Um I mean, the, the the bummer part is, is by all accounts, everyone seems like the tour, as far as the people on the tour, it's been really great. The camaraderie has been all at an all-time high. Uh, everyone gets along. So, I mean, from that aspect, I love the fact that this tour is doing what it's doing. It's bringing people out that maybe haven't come around in a while. I definitely heard a lot of people going like, oh, I haven't, I haven't been to a dope show since like 1998. Or, you know, I haven't seen Double, I haven't seen Double Driver in, you know, seven or eight years and even though double driver tours consistently so i don't know how that's fucking possible but anything you know i just heard a lot of people saying that they were coming out for the first time in a long time and that's awesome however i kind of wish it was under different circumstances or a different presentation or, or something i don't know i can't i can't put my finger on it but i'm just a little I still feel like there's just there's too many things that scream this is being done the wrong way to me, and and I don't necessarily know what that the right way is um, in this. Um, we, we don't have too many examples of this happening. I mean, Slipknot I guess would kind of be the closest. Um, Soundgarden's not going on. Uh, they're looking at least to finish up what they have, but I don't think the plan is to like find a new person. Stone Temple Pilots, but like they've kind of. They haven't really put out new material, so I guess they're kind of the closest that's doing this thing of like going out. But like that Scott Weiland obviously is the the sound that we have. I mean, you look at a band like S Queen, they've never gotten over Freddie Mercury. There's no way you fucking can. But and Journey, no, they haven't gotten over uh, Steve Perry. I mean, they anybody they've gotten has always tried to sound like Steve Perry. So I mean, I guess there are actually more examples than I, I thought of off the top of my head of bands trying to hold on to the past in any way, shape, or form that they can. Um, so I guess this isn't as new as I, I made it seem, but it's just the way they've been going about it just feels so, so wrong. It just feels, everything feels wrong from the, how long it took to, to do this to the way they're doing it. But I guess at the end of the day, fans are voting with their dollar and, and they're voting in droves. So, Well, to to that point, though, all the bands you mentioned have always done something respectable. And that they tried to they tried to move on, you know what I mean? Like Queen didn't Queen didn't take somebody and, that sounded like Freddie Mercury and put a Freddie Mercury death mask on him. And <laughs> no. had, like that that is the thing that bothers me the most. And like I realize that like a death ma- a death mask probably isn't that offensive to like Static X fans. And and I have to admit I don't even know if Wayne would have cared one way or the other, you know, or if he would have thought it was funny or or not. I I don't know, but it, it just. I realize that like the death mask probably fits in just fine with the static X imagery is what I'm saying, but there's still a certain human element to it where I'm like, no, this isn't right. And, uh, that's just me being the, trying to be the moral authority on it. And, uh, maybe I'm totally wrong, but I can't change how I feel about it. Right. Well, um, let, let's let wrap this up as best we can at this point. But Devil Driver is a great band. <laughs> Devil Driver is great, and they played a great set, and they even tapped into uh, some Cold Chamber songs, as you heard Neil and I talking about. Um, and those are going over great. Um, so, I mean, you know, go see the show. Go support all the bands. I mean, by all accounts, the show is great. Uh, looks great. It sounds great. Even though I didn't stick around for Static X, I've seen plenty of the videos that are going around. Um, it looks 
like a really great show. Um, I just personally was not feeling like being in that room anymore, so I just left. Um, but all that aside, if you would like to keep up with Double Driver, stupidly simple. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Double Driver. Uh, if you would like to keep up with Neil, you can find him on Instagram at Neil, F-I-N-G-T-I-E-M-A-N-N. And uh, I don't know, maybe we'll see a, a new collaboration down the road with uh, with him and James Hart. And maybe we will even see uh, some new Hell or High Water stuff. Um I know we've kind of touched on that a couple of times over the last couple episodes as well. Uh, and if you've never checked out Hell or High Water, I think you should. Obviously, the fact that the guitar player now from that band is in the guitar player of the youth. Brandon, obviously, is from Atreyu. Uh, Neil is in, you know, Devil Driver. And one of the dudes is like a fucking big engineer that worked with John Feldman. I mean, everybody is, is a fucking just a genius uh, that works in, in this band. So uh, check them out. I think you might actually like what they do. So it's not Double Driver. It's not a trade. It's not really any of those parts, but it is all of those things too. Um, check them out. And uh, if you like keep up with Metal Nexus, you can find them at MetalNexus.net, Facebook at Metal Nexus, Instagram at Metal.Nexus, and Twitter at Metal underscore Nexus. And Dan will tell you where he can be found. I can be found on Facebook under Daniel Terry. I can be found on Twitter at Discuss Metal Dan. You can send me an email if you feel like it at DiscussMetalDan at gmail.com. And uh, you can always find my other podcast, Discography Discussion, at DiscussMetal.com. And if you would like to keep up with everything this podcast, you can find us simply enough, Bruce Speak Pod, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Find us on YouTube at Bruce Speak Pod or Brutally Speaking. Uh, if you would like to email us, you can do such at BrutallySpeaking at gmail.com. Check out our show sponsor, The Bean Bastard, at TheBeanBastard.com. Facebook and Instagram, at TheBeanBastard. And for The Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John. And I am Dan. And we will talk to you all next time.